This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Hello, welcome to Movie Night. If this is your first time listening to an episode of Movie Night here on the Composer Chronicles, perfect, because things are a little bit different than what they used to be. Movie Night is one of a few miniseries on this podcast, and on this miniseries I bring on film-centric content creators or simply just friends of mine. They choose a film that they loved the soundtrack for, then I watch it, and then we discuss our experiences with it. Today's guest is returning composer and filmmaker and my friend Brooks Leiby. We watched two films together for this movie night, the 2018 documentary Spitfire and the 2007 horror thriller film Rogue. At first glance, these two films seem like a fairly odd pairing for an episode, but I assure you that they work well together. So without further delay, let's grab some popcorn, dim the lights, and plop ourselves onto the couch and watch Spitfire and Rogue. This is The Composer Chronicles, a storytelling podcast about music through the ages. I'm your host, Stephen Trigar, and this is Reel 6 of Movie Night, Spitfire and Rogue with Brooks Lively. Welcome back, Brooks. How you been? <laughs> good. I'm still, I'm still here. You're still here. I've been in the session kicking. since the last episode I was on. <laughs> it's just been, sitting and waiting, like just, purgatory. When will he come back? <laughs> Trigar, are you there? Is that you? <laughs> Give me my viola back. <laughs> oh, no. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. That isn't fair. I know. Oh my god. I haven't played viola in a long time. I don't want to. I don't want to steal yours. <laughs> yeah, I can loan you mine. My my mine right is still at my parents. I uh, oh, so it still exists. So it's still it's still yes, it still exists. Although I don't think that it's in good condition at this point, uh, because after I moved out, I think that they put it under the port under the front porch, which in our house is a very damp part of the house because huh. it's so it's underground and ex, not exposed but yeah anyway so i think that my viola is at this point is is a goner but it at least still exists so next time i go to my parents i'm gonna have to check 
Yeah, check on it. Oh my! <laughs> but we're not here to talk about the <laughs> what a bleak opening of my <laughs> of my uh, my past with my viola. But um, we're here because it's movie night, and uh, we watched two movies for this episode. Uh, I won't say that it's the most that I've watched for a movie night episode because uh, I had to watch the entire season of Dark when uh, the entire series of Dark when uh, I did my episode with Adore Fi a few months back. But um, this one was interesting because we have two very different films. Oh, yeah. Yet somehow the music is oddly connected um but uh i'm gonna let you talk about that so uh we're gonna start with um talking about the first film that i mean first film i'm going in the order of how i watched them okay um i watched spitfire first so (laughs) I'll, i'll let you lead this in terms of uh in terms of information and i'm gonna provide what i think in my opinions uh, about the music mm-hmm. and and how it fit with the film but uh i'll let you take it away so it's a great film it is <laughs> it is a documentary historical documentary mm-hmm. on the engineering and historical relevance uh, for great britain the mm-hmm. i guess and germany of the spitfire uh fighter jet basically yeah. it was like the first fighter plane right that you know designed after birds aerodynamic and <laughs> yeah uh, like the the film's now available on amazon prime and everything it was on netflix that's originally how where i i discovered that it oh really was streaming um so it's out there to watch and it is an hour and 30 minutes and it is quite good it is um, it's very good it's very yeah very gripping like if you, if you don't know much about uh, World War II and the you know engineering in the uh, Warcraft technical machinery side. It's really interesting, especially you know how uh, pivotal it was for aircraft. You know the yeah. the Spitfire led to so many other planes. <clears throat> but this isn't a plane podcast. This is a music podcast. <laughs> it can, is. <laughs> you can watch the movie if you want to learn about planes. <laughs> and the trauma that the pilots endure. Yes. Cuz yeah. they they do talk about it. They have those uh the, they have the a real life um yeah. accounts that they that they have and it's quite interesting. And the imagery, I mean, they have modern, you know, directed footage and everything. We're still talking about planes. <laughs> it's it's a great film. Watch it. <laughs> like you It is. Yeah. I think but I think my have... favorite part. I'm gonna I'm gonna still talk about the film. I, if if I correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a, it's been a hot moment since I've actually seen the film. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it start off with each of those uh, um, those people just making the uh, the plane motion? Yes, the, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the very first cue starts with just the image Hello. of an elderly man, and you know, doing the <laughs> the, the play playing. Thing. Yeah, ah, and and it transitions into really beautiful cinematography of like restored Spitfire planes shot yeah, in 2018 yeah, yeah. and really good imagery. But the restored archival footage—I mean, they had cameras in the wings 
that would record only when the pilots fired the rail guns. Wow. And they would show that, but they have there's so much archi- archival footage that was restored and it looks great. I mean, you're seeing yeah. it's still on black and white. It's mm-hmm. something like a, um, uh, they will not grow old that Peter Jackson filmed or yeah. color and everything. It's not like that, but it's, you know, clear and everything. And that archival footage from the cameras in the wings, it's there. That blew my mind. <laughs> it did. What? And yeah. 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 <laughs> but the music fit well. So, the music, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I actually discovered the music before I saw the film. Oh, really? I think by accident. I forget even. I forget where. I I found this guy. His name's Chris Rowe. He's an English composer. Uh, he has a great filmography of different uh, styles. This seems to me like his most intimate score in a way. Actually, I could I could argue with myself about that, but <laughs> the score is really intimate, and. It's interesting too because it is the epitome of recording small for a massive mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, the I have a sheet of paper. You'll see me look down quite a bit. I have a cheat sheet. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Those for the audio, <laughs> those listening to this, you can hear the the piece of paper that he has now. <laughs> it is full of info, but. Uh, it was a small chamber string orchestra. That was the only live recorded uh, part of the score. All of the brass and woodwinds, which you hear a lot in the film, you don't hear that. You don't hear them as much in the album mixes. Right, right, right. Which I think is so interesting. Uh, those were sampled uh, with solo viola and piano performed by Chris, another hmm. violist. Hmm. <laughs> Lots of viola going on. A little, yeah, a little, little viola love at the start. <laughs> Never hurts. Um, <laughs> Always got to give some love to the violas because they don't get enough. Yeah. And the string section was very small. Mm-hmm. Eight piece. Wow. Four that's violins, two violas, two cellos. Yeah, it's pretty small, especially for a film score. And that's it. Yeah. And, you know, I hear a lot recently that recording with two um per stand or per section Mm. is relatively a no-no because Mm. then you will find a lot of intonation issues in the sections Mm. one player and another player right next to each other you know they could be you know just uh fractions off right tune and that throws the whole sound off right but these are english session musicians (laughs) They're on it. This is honestly, yeah, like not like us Americans. I mean, hey, LA LA musicians, I won't knock them either. (laughs) No, 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 no. Excellent. There's, I mean, everywhere has great musicians, but for film, relatively, it's like London or Los Angeles or Nashville. Nashville, yeah. Uh, But it being so small of a string ensemble, when you listen to it, you wouldn't be able to tell yeah, how they're treated and the orchestration and how he writes. It's, I mean, it elevates everything, even to, even with picture. I'm not sure right. if there are string samples that, that, that it's mixed with from what it sounds like. It doesn't sound like there are any, it, watching the film, there are some cues that are not on the album. A lot right. of pizzicato, a lot of really atmospheric, super slow burning and extended 
Um, I think some cues that are mixed down, so you only hear certain stems like they're reused, um, smaller or larger uh, in the in the film, not not in the album. Uh, potentially, those could be the only string samples that at least mm-hmm. I noticed. Um, yeah, and from what I could tell from the videos, because there are some videos where you can see the. Uh, uh, the miking situation, like the live sessions, you can see some footage. Um, mm-hmm. I only saw there's, there's a couple of videos you can see where you can check out the the setup, the setup but they're all fairly mic'd close. Uh, I saw I haven't I listed the mics. I saw <laughs> there were five close mics, uh, three ribbons, and two cardioid. I think the two were for the cellos. They were mic'd separately. Did I put that somewhere in here? No. <laughs> uh, the three ribbons were for the two violins, or four, excuse me, two, yeah, two violins and two, four, four violins, two violas, and the two separate cardioids were for the separate cellos, which I thought were interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then three outrigger mics for, I suppose, surround channels. Um, and there's, not a lot of other information that I found. Uh, <laughs> it was recorded, mixed, and mastered at Angel Studios in mm. Islington, London. <laughs> that is my guess of how to pronounce Islington. It's spelled Islington. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess it's pronounced Islington. I, I think you're safe to say that. <laughs> that's my guess. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's not how it's pronounced. <laughs> Forgive me. Uh, engineered by Jeremy Murphy, who you'll see in the behind the scenes footage. Mm. Additional orchestration by, oh, great. By Mickey Wongsa Thornpat. Wongsa Thornpat. Wongsa I think you got it the first time. <laughs> By Mickey. Mickey, Mickey W. Mickey W. By Mickey W. Um, and the contracted ensemble was was the English session orchestra. So that's nice. That is who they are contracted through. Get the best of the best. And I mean, all in all, it's it's that that small for large trick. I hear people yeah. talk about it all the time now especially for you know low to no budget that is the way to go i mean i just did a i just did a feature film with that with a similar approach and that was chocked with samples congratulations on that by the way thank you (laughs) (laughs) i'm very excited about it still i mean i have the poster like above above me (laughs) also a documentary (laughs) felicia de rosa is looking down upon me (laughs) each day um, and that just stands out. I mean, it'll be somewhat similar with our discussion on, on rogue and, and some of, some of that. It, it is a, it is a completely different approach Yeah. in terms of themes and, and the, the concept of what the orchestra represents. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I guess, yeah, that's the main thing that, that I think 
really excels what, what drew me to it. It's really intimate. It is also at the same time large. It can get epic. But yeah. at the same time, there's a really somber moments where I think having a very small, intimate string section, uh, I mean, it elevated so much of the music for me. Yeah. I mean, when, when watching the film, I don't know if you looked at the, the album or you just, you, you watched the film and. I watched the film f- first. Mm-hmm. Um, going into it thinking, well, I, because I've done it so many times where I've gone into these episodes listening to the music first and then seeing how it applies to the film. Mm -hmm. But this time I wanted to do the different, the opposite way. Um, I I think that's the most pure way when you watch the film. Yeah. I I, I think, right. And I think that in the future, I'm going to continue doing it that way Mm -hmm. uh, only because especially uh, when I watched rogue, which we'll get to uh, a little bit later. Yeah. But I was watching the film and looking out for how the music was going to impact what was going on. I think with Spitfire, mm-hmm. uh, the film that the music was it so impacted the 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 emotional level that all of them were feeling all like it, it, it kind of, it kind of sustained a, a, a certain level of emotion for, for, for most of the film of, I mean, and it's a documentary, so <laughs> it's, you're, you're wanting it to, to portray uh, knowledge more than, um, than kind of, ex- I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you can explain it a little better, but to, to answer your question, I did eventually go back and listen to the soundtrack individually, mm-hmm. uh, trying to conjure up some of the imagery that um, that I could remember from from the film. Right. It was a little bit harder for me to do uh, that than with with Spitfire than with Rogue because with Rogue was as we'll talk. There's a story, a, a singular story yeah. that you can attach to to that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Spitfire, it the soundtrack just seems like more of an atmospheric album than a soundtrack to a film. Yeah, if, all, if all you, the tracks have like different thematic material, and they seem yeah. to cover different emotions right one track can be completely wondrous and like you know it narrates flight (laughs) and agility while another is really somber and right yeah the the tracks really are pretty like they're broadly they broadly narrate emotions yeah 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 that's a way to describe it yeah it it describes it better than what i was trying to describe (laughs) Sometimes I don't know. I, things just come out, and <laughs> <laughs> well, you're more versed in the film world than I am. Listen, I uh, it it takes me a. It's an orchestra, Stephen. <laughs> I I just need to I just need to watch films saying it's just an orchestra. It's just an orchestra more no. than. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's when they bring in the synths. Yeah. That's when they yeah. bring in the synths. Yeah. Then, so, then your whole world is thrown off. Then, 
Yeah. Yeah. They'd have to rethink the entire film <laughs> slash TV show. <laughs> but it was good. It was a, I thoroughly enjoyed the soundtrack. It was, I mean, like you said, there, there are tracks there that are supposed to portray very mm-hmm. specific things, portraying something taking flight or portraying uh, the jubilation of a victory of some kind. And uh, so it, because it's so, um, I don't know if this is the right word, mod, like very pod, like each, each, each mm. part, each track in the soundtrack feels it's like its a, own. own. Yeah. It's its own track yeah. and it's in its own entity. Um, you can't really, you don't really have a sense of where you might be within the story. That's not, interesting. There's yeah. not a true story going on. It's right. kind of like, and then this person had this experience and this person had this experience. And mm-hmm. then here's how the planes kind of helped England as a whole. And here's how this one plane helped this person realize who they were, blah, right. blah, blah. And so each, each, part each track of the soundtrack felt like well actually i think that spitfire if you could just think of it as as an album and just each song has its own purpose mm-hmm. that's that's that thought hit smacked my brain you said something <laughs> a few phrases ago and i was like things oh that is it's like a new it's like a different experience you can yeah. you can enjoy the music on its own and take something else completely away from me. Like, like I said, that's how I, that's how I found out the movie even existed. I found the music first, listened to it and, and love with it. So, you know, watching in from that approach, uh, it comes off completely differently than what I expected certain Mm -hmm. cues to, to be, because there were certain like, tonal hits that would happen and you'd set an expectation for something and it'd be completely right. different in the film, which is great. It's a whole, it's, it's a, another experience and right. you're seeing the context for it now. And, um, and I wasn't anticipating a lot of cues were more, more or less repurposed in mm-hmm. a lot of places. Like there were that not like, you know, copy and paste the same music. You can tell that they had, different layers of it so they were able to either minimize certain tracks only utilize however many instruments for one version and then it comes back later you know with everyone (laughs) or or even you know with solo piano there's so much piano in this score yes i love it excellent yeah Yeah. really beautiful and the the main theme melody of it all Mm -hmm. i it echoes in my brain. <laughs> I hear it when <laughs> I sleep. It is one of my favorite, like, un, like, yeah, it is one of my, probably one of my favorite melodies in any movie or mm. any score for that matter. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about it. It's, it's really simple, but it's just, it's the right, it's the right note for me. Yeah. Or notes, I guess. <laughs>
What would a world without music be like? I certainly don't want to know. This podcast would not exist. Luckily, we don't have to find out what that world is like. I do a lot of listening in a day between all of my favorite music and podcasts, and it's not just for entertainment. I'm constantly doing research for this podcast and switching back and forth between apps to listen to a podcast episode and then a piece of music can get tiresome if I'm trying to quickly switch back and forth. From an episode of Hey Riddle Riddle, to Stravinsky's The Firebird Ballet Suite, and then to Lady Gaga's latest album, I can listen to them all on Amazon Music whenever and wherever I want. I start listening when I get into my car, and then when I get home, I switch over to my Alexa while I cook dinner for me and my fiancé. Listeners of this podcast can join me in listening to all of the best music and greatest podcasts on Amazon Music Unlimited right now when you sign up today at getamazonmusic.com slash the Composer Chronicles and get your first 30 days for free. You can get unlimited access to any song and do all of that listening without any ads. So again, go to getamazonmusic.com slash The Composer Chronicles and start listening on Amazon Music Unlimited today. that I think that really ties a lot of these two films scores together is and of course again I always say this correct me if I'm wrong from listening to the the listening and watching the film I feel like on a level of the size of the orchestra these two films kind of felt very very close the uh the music of rogue felt very very minimal at times i mean it didn't it wasn't huge massive jaws like Mm. (laughs) i mean i'm only saying jaws because while watching it it was basically jaws on land it's basically jaws in (laughs) australia with a, a crocodile instead of a shark um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, transitioning from a from a historical documentary, we're going into straight old creature horror. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting real. This is my jam. <laughs> mm-hmm. While while we're filming this, I literally just watched Rogue the night before, so it's fresh in my <laughs> mind. Uh, <laughs> and I did that intentionally, yeah. thinking, okay because rogue is probably going to be much more detailed and have a, a, like a, an actual storyline i should probably yeah. watch that as close to recording as i can so that i have it all fresh in my mind mm-hmm. um watching it before bed 
was probably not the best thing to do. But, it's not the um, scariest movie you'll ever see. No, but it's pretty intense. <laughs> no, I definitely had to sit on my phone and play happy games before I went to go and go to bed because. Uh, oh no! I didn't. I didn't want the um, the picture of a crocodile jumping out of the water in my head as I was laying in bed trying to go to sleep. So, yeah. but uh, <laughs> so let's talk about Rogue. Oh, Rogue. Oh, Rogue. This is completely different because I, I watched the film before. Well, God, I was in like, when this movie come out? 2007? 2007, yeah. I was in middle school <laughs> when I saw this. I got it on DVD. Mm. <laughs> I got it on DVD. I still have it too. It's in, it's in my wacky bookshelf. Got it on DVD. I'm pretty sure I begged my best friend's mother while we were in an FYE at a mall. Mm. I saw that I was obsessed with crocodile films and, and like stop motion and all those sort of uh, really niche yeah. B movie things. And I saw, I just saw the cover and I was like, I need it. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the two crocodile films for me growing up was this and a film called primeval. Never saw with it. With Orlando <laughs> Jones. He's the only guy that I, re- that I remember being, being in it, but it's very similar. Only it's in Africa, not Australia. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that's the only difference. Um, <laughs> but Rogue, directed by the dude that did Wolf Creek, and I saw that movie after seeing this guy's name, uh, Greg McLean, Australian filmmaker. Mm. Uh, the score was composed by a guy named Frank Tataz or Tataz, I believe it's Tataz. As you can see, I'm great with people's names, <laughs> or as you can hear, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Real close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ASMR. Uh, by Frank Tatez, which is also, this is the second film that he scored with Mia Wazakowska. Mm-hmm. I got her name down. Big fan. <laughs> second Alice. film I scored with her in it. Oh yeah. Alice films. We got a young Alice in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, and you are actually right with that whole intimate sounding. Yeah orchestra however it is a much larger ensemble yeah um which I, is I, I figured insane because it is that small for large mix that i think that i love about spitfire mm-hmm. they do sound very similar in how i guess and how they're mic'd i guess there's so much more micing information on on rogue than there was for spitfire that was literally just eyeballing in the videos <laughs> um, for Spitfire, but it's all really intimate. And uh, that was an eight piece string section for Rogue. And again, not, not a lot of brass. I don't think there was any brass. Uh, I think there were some world like woodwind uh, like mm. native to Australia. There's a lot of really interesting uh, instruments outside of the string section, but the, Ensemble size for the strings was a 25 piece. Wow. So you got eight piece, 25, and they do sound very similar, which is staggering. <laughs> yeah. It shows you the power that, that can go into a film score. Mm-hmm. You just need the the right scoring. You need the right instruments. You need the right recording equipment. Sometimes you I can praise make... the engineering behind Spitfire. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they really did make eight musicians sound like 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it blows my mind. The The mix in that film is so good. Same with this. The I think the breakdown for it, it's uh, seven first violins, six second violins, five violas, five cellos, two bass. Mm-hmm. Spitfire didn't have any bass. Um, this guy did. <laughs> and that's estimate that's an estimation. I was trying to to break it down. The image the images that I did find of the ensemble, there's actually a really good article that I found on I think it was a I think it was an Australian publication mm. specifically about the music. It may have been a composer's magazine in 2007, 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, but it broke down everything. It was recorded in the Iwaki Auditorium in Melbourne. All this information's on there. Uh, the same venue where the Wiggles meet the orchestra <laughs> album mm. was recorded. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was fun. Um, and features a whole slew of solo, very specific um, musicians. There are solo violin um, performed by Jenny Thomas. It's credited as a classical Indian violin. And there's also viola credited. Hmm. There's not really a part in the score that could really pinpoint viola. So it might be like some textural stuff. Okay. Uh, tons of percussion, uh, clop sticks, boomerangs. Boomerangs. Didgeridoo, because he gotta. Gotta. Uh, in the opening of the film with the Aborigine Aboriginal. voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His name is Jida Gupilil. I'm trying again. Beautiful. <laughs> and oh, you can yeah. look this guy up. He's worked on a number of things. Um, but that opening. And mm-hmm. later in the film when they're getting into the territory and they spot a flare, they're going to investigate to help. Mm-hmm. It's something with uh, the tours, I guess, policy. It's like, Someone needs help. Go help. <laughs> I do it. Yeah. Rada Mitchell said, let's go. Um, <laughs> and you see like cave, not cave paintings, wall paintings. Like you just, like you see a, like a recruit etching of a crocodile. Yeah. And that voice comes back and it's, it's, it adds this like primal ancient. Yeah. yeah. Just sense of danger. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to describe how how it makes you feel, but well, watch the film; you'll know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I just love it so much. It ties it so close with the landscape, and mm-hmm. apparently, whenever they shot this, a lot of the actual river basin that they were in was never photographed before. So they were the first wow people to cap to get it on camera, and for some places the first people to even really see it and explore it. Wow. At the, in 2006, I think when they filmed it, yeah, it was a lot of uncharted territory in Australia that they were in. Mm. Um, and it's beautiful imagery. The, the, the strings, the strings parts around there where it's a lot of, uh, covering like the, like the vistas and the mountain ranges, right? Really beautiful orchestrations. Mm-hmm. Everything in the beginning with the strings starts out so nice. 
I know. Uh, literally, as you're talking, I'm like, there's, there's, there's a moment where all of a sudden the, the, it's so pleasant for so much. And even, even as, as, uh, I don't, I cannot remember the character's name. Um, but as the, he's the photographer who, who's filming. Oh, and as, as he looks, as he sees the, um, the, the, the painting, the, painting, right. the, the, the carvings or whatever, the etchings mm-hmm. on the cave wall of of this monster it's still kind of it's still kind of happy and in my head i'm like is this supposed to be a horror film why does it feel so happy why does it feel like everybody the music just, tricks like, you <laughs> yeah it's it's like oh we're just going down on the on the river we're sightseeing and we're still oh, there's tourists a, there's a bird and ooh, mm-hmm. there's somebody over there on the other boat let's go wave to them and then and then the flare goes off and then still is kind of happy a little bit. And then all of a sudden you see that dark shadow in, in the water. And then literally that's when the music just shifts completely. That cue is top five. One of my favorite music cues in a mm-hmm. horror film. <laughs> all it is. And I say all it is. All 25 of them string players. Mm-hmm. Glissandos. <laughs> They are ripping their strings to shreds, and it's it's really streamlined. It's they're going from the lowest note they can to the highest, and they're all staggered. So it just sounds like this just long. What I guess that would be called a shepherd tone. It just well, it's not it's not super long, so I guess not. But it just rises, and mm-hmm. it is it's mic'd so close, and yet they have ambient and surround mics around there too uh, in the auditorium, and. I mean, it's just in your face and the way it's yeah. mixed, it's and the cue on the album. That's what it starts with. It's just, <laughs> it goes mm-hmm. and it turns into an action cue. You know, they're trying to get to get to shore. Yeah. The, the boat capsizes. I mean, this thing, Almost great reveal. Split in half. Yeah. Great reveal. Like you said, the shadow underneath, as soon as it hits, like that's, that is the cue. That's the start of the first horror cue yeah in it and i by golly i love a horror score that only relies on strings <laughs> mm-hmm. oh and before then um there's a ton of like aquatic percussion yeah 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 there's a there's a cue called river suite and it covers that you know really happy yeah the trick <laughs> you have Everyone, you know, everyone's getting to the tour boat. It's really humble, pizzicato strings. Yeah. It's quote unquote, not, a, not necessarily like generic pizzicato yeah. music, but you, you hear a cue like this all the time. Um, and this is one of my favorite examples of, of that style of, you know, everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, narration. And then they get on the river and I, yes, uh, Contact mic'd multiple different kinds of things by Graham Leak. Uh, cactus, gongs, and upturned salad bowls in water. Wow. And on the DVD, there is a featurette so you can see, you know, how they recorded it. It's literally like a, like a fish tank with, with a microphone and contact mics. And they're, you know, ding, and they lower the, the gong or salad bowls in. And they get these really awesome notes. And I'm pretty sure they sampled these sounds 
because mm. how it how it is in the film and the album, it's really, um, it's really melodic, and how it looks like they recorded it, it seems like it would be really it'd be basically impossible <laughs> yeah. to to perform it in that way and have it be so streamlined and and melodic. I mean, it's. It's got a nice theme, you know. Over and over again. It is, yeah, it is basically that over and over, but it's great. It is. <laughs> it is. It's very nice. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, and I think that is probably because I'm all over this album. I probably give it the most play uh, statistics. <laughs> They're like, let's check, let's check the uh, the numbers, the stats for, or uh, what that be called, logistics. I don't know. Analytics. Yeah, that word. Let's look at the analytics for for this. Oh man, just one guy in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like thousands of plays. <laughs> just this guy loves this score. It's really good. Yeah. On multiple platforms. <laughs> First it was on Spotify. Yeah. Now I'm on Apple Music. So that they've got they've got me, yeah. They got me on both. <laughs> so so now they're like the same guy. They switch platforms. What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> times change. <laughs> that they do, that they do. Just like this music, because like yeah, we're we're just going back and forth. That's what happens when I'm on the show. Uh, yes. As soon as that crocodile hits their boat. It's all, yeah. The fan is struck. It's done. Oh yeah. <laughs> the fan is struck with doo doo, and then by the time they get <laughs> on the island, man, oh man, mm. they do a Jaws thing because you mentioned Jaws earlier. I mean, they personify the crocodile with sound. Yeah. They give it a theme, which. But yeah, basically it's the Jaws thing. As soon as you hear whatever motif it is, the Crocs either there or it's nearby. <laughs> yep. Which I think is such a cool psychological thing. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's the Jaws thing. Yeah. But it works. Yeah. It works yeah. very well. And similar to Jaws, which I believe, well, no, I think pretty, I'm pretty sure that was like piano, the orchestra. Everyone's doing that figure. Dun, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure. Here, yeah. exactly. Here, here it's just, it's not, it's just. I'm pretty sure it was improvised by Anthea Caddy on prepared cello, um, which it, they are accompanied by lower strings in the string ensemble. And I'm pretty sure I put down what she did. If not, she basically puts like a metal rod, like a really thin metal rod between some strings mm -hmm. and applies a lot of pressure mm -hmm. onto the string and does this, does this figure. It's almost like she's, just, it's almost like she just slowly like molasses just going between two notes similar to Jaws, but it's just really slow. Cause when you think about it, crocodiles, they don't move much, but they do yeah. when they want to, mm -hmm. when you Especially see them the generally, water. exactly. They just, they're kind of just sitting there. 
And I love that they made <laughs> that, that was what they thought about. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's just sitting there, but it'll kill you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you hear this. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, that's my impression of a pre- prepared cello. Great impression. Thank you. That'll be $25. <laughs> Oh, Steve there. <laughs> oh, well, the call ended. Steven? <laughs> oh, man. It's almost, uh, it's kind of freaky because there are there's so much <laughs> that I found on this. Uh, inclu- oh, yeah. It wasn't just Frank. Um, the orchestrator, Kate Neal, uh, practically co-composed a lot of the, the horror sounds, the clusters. <laughs> quote unquote, clusters and clouds of violent orchestral techniques. Again, quote, kaleidoscope of string textures, end quote, from this article, um, which were recorded modularly. So I I assume they were sampled um, for use in a building block fashion Mm. in the mix. So a lot of the, there is a cue in there that I think you can tell in the album because there are a lot of really hard cuts and transitions mm. you can tell yeah. the figures aren't they're not recorded back to back because there are very obvious like card cuts mm-hmm. that are not noticeable in the film um which is the purpose it's for picture <laughs> <laughs> but again i think i think that makes it work too because it is really a, it's a violent cue um mm-hmm. which is also a spoiler for what scene it's for um <laughs> It's a really violent scene, too. Very violent. Uh, we'll just say death roll. <laughs> yeah. In the water. Um, oh, yeah. And again, piano. Once it gets, I suppose, towards the end, when it gets a little heroic, there is there is kind of like, we're saved. Yeah. Light spoiler. Not everyone. <laughs> not everyone is there. Also, not all of them. Not all of them. The all casualties. Uh, there is like a heroic theme that comes in at the end. It's a new melody and everything. Um, with prepared, yeah, prepared piano and celeste by Anthony mm-hmm. Petras. Uh, tons of classical percussion too. You may, I think, I mean, you mainly hear timpani, um, which was done by David Hewitt and Graham Leak, who did all like the water percussion, Tom Tom's thunder sheets. You do hear thunder sheets pretty pretty distinctly. Um, Bode cymbals, mm. classic horror yeah. horror sound. Um, oh yeah, and the wiggles. No, okay. and over here we have the wiggles. That still blows my mind. Oh, <laughs> and then I think because uh, this kind of connects to. Greg McLean's other film, Wolf Creek, uh, that Frank also scored. Um, they had a sculptor, Rod Cooper. Um, they commissioned him for, uh, I'm not sure if to build specific metal instruments in it, like resonating metal instruments that you can bow similar to, um, to cymbals. Uh, I'm not sure if he was commissioned to build them or just to perform the article only mentioned performing on multiple of his resonating metal instruments that were handcrafted by him, um, supposedly from like scrap metal and mm. whatever he could find. Wolf Creek is 
full of that stuff. And, and actually, it also has that weird sound that I was talking about when I when I got on the call, where it's like, or it sounds like those like power lines. You can hear that exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of that because power lines are a big thing in that movie. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a cool connection. It's like they're still using, um, still using an asset that worked with them previously mm-hmm. and keeping that alive. I'm not sure if I don't think Frank and Greg have worked since this movie. Don't know why, but I would like them to again because <laughs> <laughs> Wolf Creek also has great music. Mm-hmm. Um, as for miking, um, and this is very much going to be just read. I read this page basically for <laughs> <laughs> for coverage. I just want to make sure I get it right. Okay. Got All right, it. listeners. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Rachel. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Whoever so, you are. I even found the miking technique used. Wow. They, they, they interviewed the engineer. Uh, it was an LCR array for, for the front, left, center, right uh, miking. And it is a technique called Gunter Thiel or Teal or Gunter Teal. Or mm, Thiel. Do you think you've heard, heard of that? Both. I've, I've heard both ways, but I know exactly what you're talking about. This is the first I've heard of this. <laughs> I mean, I may, I may I'm have fish heard out of name. water. I may learning. have heard the name from something else, but I definitely know the name at least. Oh, okay. Then you've heard it both ways. Yeah. Nice. I feel a little bit smarter now. <laughs> I think it depends on who's <laughs> saying it. Yes. Somebody's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> True. I won't. I don't know the proper one, so I will not correct you for feeling like a fool if I'm the saying the wrong one. So we'll we'll, we'll say they both sound correct for I'll now. Fe- I'll, I'll be a fool by myself. <laughs> I will take blame too. <laughs> no, it's fine, Stephen. It is a square away away a square away of cardioid surrounds. I ran with it. LCR array and then a square array of cardioids for the surround channels. So you get that left, center, right, and then surround. So they got their 5.1 going on. Yeah. And I believe the same miking was used for all the percussion, which was done in a different hall. Strings were done, like I said, in the Iwaki Auditorium in Melbourne, and all percussion was done separately at the Anam Hall in South Melbourne. I put a question mark there because I believe the city kept changing with the address <laughs> when I was looking at it. So somewhere near South Melbourne, it's wherever the Anam Hall is in Australia. <laughs> Any Australian <laughs> listeners, mail me with the right address. <laughs> Don't mail me that. <laughs> how would you know my address how do we know email me you can find my email pretty easily <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah this was interesting as well because in other, in other articles put little side notes violins and violas were mic'd per desk so per two mm-hmm. per stand basically and Chilean basses were mic'd individually so mm. all five cellos had a mic 
and the two bases have their own mics. We're mixing schools here. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> What's that mean, Stephen? It just means well, it, if from what I remember when we talked about Spitfire, did mm-hmm. they do the, the the doubles for uh for the violins? Um, I mean, not to they. I think they do per stand for the first Spitfire, or do they do individually for Spitfire? It was for. Oh, that's actually a good point for comparison. Five close mics. Uh, oh, that's odd. Five close mics, three ribbons, and two cardio. Okay, yes. So three ribbons. I said it earlier before. I'm I know, pretty sure that was right. Which is why I brought it back up again. <laughs> and now I can't say the same thing again. <laughs> Steven, I don't know. Something's I in this know. coffee. Um, At night? <laughs> Or do you have decaf? <laughs> we don't believe in decaf. I don't know. <laughs> well, you're out for a long night. Or do you, or can you sleep on coffee? I can sleep on coffee. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm built different. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know I'm different. I, I'm I'll, yeah. I'm just built different. <laughs> yeah. So it's five close mics, three outriggers, and two surrounds mm-hmm. for spitfire so it seems like they actually have more mics yeah it seems like they have more mics on the smaller ensemble that's a lie no i'm retracting what i'm saying you lied is that was silly there are so many more instruments in rogue so there would be more mics because holy cow yeah all the cellos and basses are mic'd individually gotcha and I'm pretty sure those were like just massive diaphragm or ca- massive cardio um, diaphragms. The Neumann mics, I believe, are what they use, which are like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the basically like historic, they're the Spitfires of cardioid mics. <laughs> there we go. Now we're tying them back. They're like priceless. So I'm told. I wouldn't know. <laughs> and then we got ribbon ribbon mics, most likely for the uh, violins and violas. Because again, Very so nice. I'm told they work best with those. Hmm. I'm not too versed in these types of mics. Neither am I. <laughs> I got this one for Christmas and I've been using it since. Or last last Christmas, not I mean, this past one, but the one before that. Oh, nice! Actually, yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty good. This mic I found on Facebook Marketplace. Dude was like, "I just don't need it anymore." Why? Nice. Yeah, I don't know how much it costs, but um, I mean, it sounds worth the money. Yeah, I think when the last time we had your episode, I was using this mic. I think I'm pretty sure. May have. Maybe because you we had the last time you were on this podcast was uh, this past summer, wasn't it? I think it was or was just like or it was probably spring. Um, Probably. That sounds right. Because you were like in the 40s, you were like in your episode was in the 40s. So time is a circle. I know. And if I didn't skip so many months on this podcast, uh, I would probably be well in the 80s higher 90s by now but um 
I'm just getting to the 80s now. And, uh, but yeah. Better late regardless, than never. Regardless, yes. I think the last time that uh, you and I talked, was I had this microphone still, but it's pretty good. It's pretty nice. And so Thank is you. that one. So, but yeah, I I really, really actually liked the the Rogue score. I, I think it um it did an incredible job at deceiving me for so much of the movie because for the first 20 minutes or so, I was like, where is the horror? <laughs> <laughs> where is it? I thought it was supposed to happen already. Um but then all of a sudden, like we said before, the shadow and the water all of a sudden shows up. And then that's when literally the, the orchestra switches moods. And, yeah, it's like a, it's like a switch. Every, yeah. It's like Frank hit a switch. Yeah. It became and that, and, players. Which makes the score all the more genius in deceiving you so much for the the beginning part of the film you I mean you like we, we talked about the the aboriginal music mm-hmm. that they had that set the the scene of we're in we're in very uncharted australia and where it's primal it's it's ancient it's really uncharted mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna yeah. go back to that word Basically. and uh, and then once once the crocodile shows its face, uh, then uh, we then everything changes. Mm-hmm. And uh, first, for, for a great amount of movie, the movie I was I was desperately listening <laughs> for any cue that would tell me when the crocodile was coming mm. because I hate jump scares and you're making a good point and um the i think yes there were kind of jump scares in this in this film but the music actually really set them up very well yeah um it 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 set it up well enough for me where it wasn't like the music and the the jump happened at the exact same moment. Right. There was there was a there was a preparation um, right before with with that that low string prepared cello kind of sound. And right. You you knew uh, it was coming, and, and uh, I, I'm convinced that the only the, the character with the camera again I can't remember his name. His name's Simon. Simon. <laughs> I don't know why, but that name just went. I'm pretty sure his name is Simon. Simon. So we'll, we'll say Simon. Um, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe you on this one. To be determined. Because <laughs> it's been a um, minute since I've seen this movie too, but I've seen it so many times. Yeah. When they're all crossing the, the, uh, the rope. Spoiler alert. Oh, when they're all crossing man. the rope, and Simon is literally just scanning. The, the the perimeter with the camera just know exactly to try and what see shot you're talking about if you if he can see any movement uh with the uh, up for, to see if the, the crocodile was coming yeah and the minute he, like the second that he says something actually i even think that the musical cue 
happens like the millisecond right before he says something. So you already have an even further preparation from the music before he says something just moved. Mm -hmm. And which again, I mean, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a horror person. Um, I, I despise jump scares, but it was, it was, this score was, was incredibly well done and it, it saved me a lot of headache and a lot of um, yeah. panic. I think that's why I liked it when I was younger. Cause again, I, I don't like, I almost said again, I haven't said this yet. I too am not a huge fan of jump scares, but if they are, <laughs> if they are decorated nicely, mm -hmm. like, like there's really only one ish in this, which I'm pretty sure the score kind of like kind of drops like just before it, but it sets it up so well that you're, you're I just think ready I know which exact. I think I know which one you're talking about. Are you talking about the one where they're still on the island and the dad gets? Oh, that flung? no, uh, no. Sam Worthington, the dude from Avatar, because he's in this. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the one they when they flip his body, or or when he gets dragged. You're right. Yeah, there are, there are, and there, there are a lot of them. There are a number of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that moment where he is, he is across the river, and he and he he set the rope on the tree um, and he drops the flashlight and he goes to pick it up and then boom, crock animatronic head <laughs> yeah. through the grass, which also I really appreciate because that's that, that, I think that was the peak interest of mine when I was younger. I was like, one, this movie has got really good visual effects, mm -hmm. especially for the time it came out. Like it holds up. Yeah so great and even though it's like it's really recent like you can watch some movies from 2007 and you're like no not too bad <laughs> not not too like a lot of them well i wouldn't say a lot of i don't know there are some that you'll watch and you just be like eh, that didn't that's not good anymore that's like yeah you know that's, that's bad this one you can go back and watch today and it's still excellent i mean it's like the jurassic park of crocodile horror movies because you can go watch and watch lake placid and be like right well, I think a I lot know. of it has, yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the the practical effects rather than that as well. Yeah, I think, and I the last uh, movie night that I did, we watched um, Trick or Treat, uh, oh, the, yeah. the Halloween film, Mike and Danny. yeah, and Good a fan. lot of the the lot of the um, conversation that we had was about how a film that old still holds up because of the practical effects rather yeah. than the CGI. I feel like once CGI got in, um, once it started taking over so much of the effects of film, mm -hmm. that's when things started to become quote unquote outdated yeah. um, as, as the technology progressed because practical effects will, will always be practical effects and they will never age the same way that technology would right practical effects will always be the same you can i mean you can certainly adapt things and and add on to them but mm -hmm. you're you're not dealing with uh something updated. that is continuously yeah. being updated literally day by day exactly um 
so I think that's another reason why this movie feels so young. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point because, like, I mean, there are there's a lot more. I feel like there's a lot more practical effects happening in television. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean, you have Disney Plus, and I mean, the Star Wars series has a lot of practical effects going on, especially with a lot of the creatures. Um, yeah. And here, I think it's honestly, it's probably a company that's still doing this sort of thing today. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they they had two or three life size, twenty foot, massive croc animatronics. Yeah. Um, one that was really really complex for just operating its head, you know, mm-hmm. having it swivel the right way and and be fast. Yeah. <laughs> and scary. The other ones yeah. were perfect for kind of just having having there when having them there whenever uh, they need to be in the background or mm-hmm. um, or honestly even just there for reference um, whenever it is something that needs to see the CG version. Yeah. Uh, and you said something a minute ago where yeah you were going into the the, the jump scare topic because I talked about the prepared cello and how it kind of personifies the crocodile and yeah. uh, just represents its presence. But then there's also, because there are moments where there is no buildup to it, to it being there. There are like really staggering, violent, just crunches in the mm-hmm. strings where it sounds like the crocodile, you know, <laughs> is yeah closing its jaw. Uh, I feel like it's a mixture of probably Coleno and Bartok. Yeah. Just string slapping. Maybe, yeah. Maybe with some percussion. Cause it's just, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you get, and you get the, uh, the overtones when they're slapping the strings mm-hmm. and the clusters that it builds are just nasty. And I love them. <laughs> and they hit, I think, in that moment where you're talking about where the where the, the dad gets got, and they're still yeah. on the, and then they're still on the island. My favorite part in the movie is when the f- the first person is grabbed off screen. Yeah, and you but don't know. You, all of a sudden, he's just gone, and you don't know where you're he fig- is. They're figuring stuff out. They hear a little splash. They turn around and see a ripple in the water. And as they're starting to freak out, you just hear, dun! <laughs> mm-hmm. dun! Oh, man. If you're able to, you kind of, I don't know, like whenever I do that, just like put that little sound bite over it. <laughs> so I don't sound so silly. Yeah. Or just, or leave it. Never mind, leave it. <laughs> that, was, that was my guest note of the day. There we go. I have to say, the... <laughs> I guess my favorite experience when watching this film was going in the the music that plays at the top of the credits where, Oh man. So that's where the Celeste is. Holy cow. I hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there is, so obviously we've gotten through the whole heroic saving and, and um, 
so many of them survive and they're they're all getting medical attention and somebody the 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 uh, helicopters have come to save them all right and um and then the credits start rolling and then you um the there's a zoom in to the newspaper clipping very of, the shining uh, yeah of uh of pete uh saving kate and um and then all of a sudden the music just shifts like it's, it's this very like happy uplifting kind of of music and i'm sitting there and i'm watching it and i'm like okay i, I should probably just I, i'll just get through the credits because so much there's there's a lot of music that they still have right. in the credits um that that adds to the, the that kind of reflects what's been going on and i'm sitting there and uh, and i'm kind of like decompressing after watching uh watching this this crocodile stalk a whole bunch of people <laughs> yeah. um and then the music just shifts to something like it's just like this, this quirky bubble no well, it's there's it's it's after the new after the newspaper clip has oh, has gone that's that key right it's yeah so after that that newspaper clip has gone then the music just like there's a it's like a switch and it just becomes this, this yeah. bubbly kind of pop-esque pop folk kind of song and i'm like this does not fit here where did this now i'm trying from? to remember where the, what song that was <laughs> i don't remember i all i remember is it was 11 30 at night <laughs> i had steven I just was, gets mad dude <laughs> <laughs> smash no i and i was like what and, and i kept it on just to be and i and i think maybe i don't know it might have been a bit of because it, it certainly did this for me where it it certainly calmed me down a whole lot more after after watching this film and it's never smile at a crocodile it's a cover of that yes 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 <laughs> that song i'm pretty sure the same exact thought when i was when i was a wee lad yeah watching this i'm like where's the where's the credits medley nope it's not a medley it's i want that <laughs> it's a happy peppy song don't about not don't smile, smile at a crocodile mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah it's in my head now i remember it man <laughs> but um i forgot yeah. about the baroque moment yeah. where it really it really does become kind of like chamber yeah chamber music just for a short while just it's for a very short, short cue yeah 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 but um before we finish this episode I have one last question for you. <gasps> Why these two films together? Beats me, pal. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think when I was thinking about it, like what's like what scores do I really love and what movies are also really good uh to go along with it for discussion. I mean, Spitfire, I just really love the score. And I didn't realize until this until afterwards. I mean, the I know. there were certainly logistics that we went through and 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 figuring out what we wanted to watch. But yeah. uh, the viewing but, process was completely different for or almost like reflective between yeah. the two. I didn't I didn't realize this till afterwards. 
Spitfire, I found the music first and then watched the film. And then, and Rogue, forever ago, found the movie randomly in a video store. And then I was like, one day, like years later, it's like, that movie had good music. Mm-hmm. What was that movie? Shuffle through all my DVDs. Oh yeah, this one. Because I remember there was a, there, there is a feature on the DVD where you can get a little bit of the behind the scenes of mm-hmm. the process. And I think that's when I was starting to really like dive further into the the ooh maybe maybe music for a film mm. What? Mm. interesting i may like is this it something that i'd like <laughs> this better not awaken something in me uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh yeah and that's something that i think that was a discovery here but i i, I did see a lot of connections with how they sound and also how they're both strictly like strings focused, yeah. which I, I like to think that's that's kind of where my writing comes from too. I mean, my background is viola. I played in a string section for up to 10 years and still whack a viola around when I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's probably a lot of where my appreciation comes from with these two. Because they they both kind of span the the comfort the comfortable spectrum of what string instruments and players mm-hmm. can do. I mean, they can sound. Yeah. Spitfire covers so much, and then you have extreme horror <laughs> score. I mean, basically yeah. like Penderecki, Threnody for Hiroshima style stuff in oh in Rogue. Don't get me started on that one. My my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude it's just i love it yeah it was fantastic yeah. yeah i'm glad you liked both the movies i did i really liked both of them There's, despite despite my preconceived feelings about horror films um i actually really really enjoyed it and um i enjoyed how well the music aided yeah uh, both of them um, how how each of them really really helps to to progress the 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 flow of each of them because I can't really say that Spitfire had a story but um, mm. there's a, a ton of stories in in one there were stories yeah but there wasn't really a wasn't uh, just like one linear right. path right so um, I guess I'll just say that um, both of them reflected their they did a good job. At doing their job. Good job, Chris. <laughs> Good job, Frank. Good job. Wherever you are. <laughs> so, and you can watch both of these on Amazon. Although I think Heck Rogue, yeah. Rogue, you have to rent. I had to rent it. Um, Come on, Greg. I know. Even though it's oh, totally well. not up to him. <laughs> you know what? So, like I said, email me. You can borrow my DVD. There is a rental. Yeah, fee. I, I want to see. I want to see the the behind the scenes of Rogue. Now you keep mentioning this, and now I want to see it. You can't. You can uh, do that on the Amazon one. I'm leaving. I'm walking away from the microphone. Hold on one second. Oh god, Bye. my tripod nearly killed me. <laughs> I'm back. You're back. There it is. You're-
<laughs> the DVD that started it all. There it is. For the listening crew, I'm holding the Rogue Dimension Extreme unrated DVD. Very nice. He's the director of Wolf Creek. <laughs> does it say it on the back? No, it does not. Yeah, it's in here. Rental fee. Email me. Fees may apply to distance. <laughs> I don't know. Shipping fees apply. That's what I meant to say. See? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, both you can watch both of Spitfire and uh, Rogue on Amazon. You have to pay for one. You don't have to pay for the other. I'll let you decide which one to watch. Well, it's like and you have $3 to rent on Rogue for Rogue. Was, yeah, Rogue is for uh, $3.99. Um, Four bucks. Four bucks to watch a pretty good film. I think it was well worth it. Heck yeah. But uh, thank you for for coming on and uh, talking about these films. Saying whatever uh, I said. I can't even remember. I blocked just, out. Uh, yeah, you just we're done at this point. What happened? <laughs> once once it left your mouth, it was gone. Where am I? <laughs> Who are you? Well, I know that um, people can go back and listen to your your actual feature uh an episode 48 where you talked about your your music and uh, it was a fantastic episode um but for those who are just listening and or watching you for the first time on this episode where can people find you and listen to your music you can find me on twitter i tweet a lot of you do tweet a lot <laughs> lots of stuff <laughs> I don't even know. Again, just you know, I black out and then I wake up. What did I do? I feel like there's most people on Twitter. Is the, once you open Twitter, it's it it just it sucks your yeah. soul and you do whatever and your eyes just you, glaze over and yeah. <laughs> and then for some reason, something compels you to exit the app and then once you then you wake up again and into the real world. <laughs> Sorry, I had to retweet something. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it from your brain. I had to get all my, uh, I'd get all my characters in, in one tweet. Yeah, Twitter at Brooks underscore Libby. I'm on SoundCloud, Instagram. A lot of, not a lot of people have my name. So if you look me up, you'll find me. Yeah, very, un very unique name. It's my name. Well, well, thank you very much for uh, for being today's guest. I feel like you're more of a co-host for this episode, so I'll say you're you're your co-host for this one. Well, I thank um, you, Stephen. Yes, I have I've been I've been the co-host all along. It's just all along. I'm working behind the curtain. All time. I'm behind the scenes of every episode. Everyone. No. <laughs> Thank you for for uh, giving me another chance to just speak into the void. I think we're all just speaking into the void at this point. At this point, you know, <laughs> especially right now, it's like, what am I even saying? The coffee's kicked in. Mm. No, I'll sleep very well tonight. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, all right, thanks, man. Absolutely, thank you. This episode of The Composer Chronicles was edited by me, Stephen Trigar, with theme music written by Daryl Banner. 
You can find Brooks on social media and discover more about what he's up to via the links found in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you can leave a rating and a review. Join our community of music lovers on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ConPodcast. You can engage with our incredible community of music professionals and enthusiasts while staying up to date on news pertaining to our past guests. For more information about this podcast and to learn more about the composers, music professionals, and other featured guests on the show, visit alexandrianmedia.org slash thecomposerchronicles. Next week, we begin the first episode in a month of strictly composer interviews, starting with Derek Cooper. Derek joins me to share his own journey and his insight into the world of new music. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Hey friends, if you've enjoyed this episode, then you are going to love all of the awesome stuff going on over at the Composer Chronicles' Patreon. Members of the Wagnerian tier have access to the full video version of this episode, as well as past and future versions of the Movie Night episodes. All Patreon members get the chance to vote on the subject of upcoming movie nights, and you can be a part of that by signing up at patreon.com slash thecomposerchronicles. I'll see you there. Alexandrian Media, art and culture for the modern era.